0: All right, welcome to Movie Left, a movie review podcast. I'm your host Anthony Montrulo, uh, joined here by my co-host Comrade Dracula. Comrade, what's happening? Oh, I fucking love that song. That song is like I
1: I I didn't know when that song came out, but I remember that song from way like,
0: earlier than anyone realizes.
1: Right, like cuz it had a resurgence on like alt rock radio in the early mid 90s, mm-hmm. right? When when everyone, you know, when I was like 13 to 16 ish in that you know when when every town had like you know their own alternative rock station it was nirvana 92 three fucking the you volume know <laughs> days of the new Allison and stone temple pearl garden yeah uh-huh.
0: <laughs> um and it, it fit in perfectly with that that style too it, it, like it feels like it could so
1: i thought that song by the jim carroll band was from like the early 90s right because uh-huh. like you from the late 70s to early 90s like you could do any kind of punk or post-punk and it kind of it's hard to tell exactly where it came out unless it's you know something obvious like um like uh, the new
0: york dolls like you could you like all right this is definitely you can yeah you can like put it then, down know.
1: or like some of the pixie stuff right. or um b52s you know you can kind of place that uh, on a timeline. 80s, right. But this song, it's, it has such a fucking timeless essence to it. It came out just like two months before I was born in 1980. That's how old that song is. And right. it, the, it age, it's, it's such a perfect setup for the tone of this movie, right? Just in, in its irreverence and its earnesty and its tenderness all at the same time and also being just like a fucking banger, right? right. And <laughs> to to drop it in where they do... To kind of be like, yeah, this is like this, this is the stakes of what a, a real suicide squad would be, where they're just, you know, yeah, the mission's important, but we're just gonna throw fucking rejects at the problem and watch them get massacred. Right. Right. And and this is James Dunn getting back to his uh, you know, trauma film's roots. Oh, with hun- just this is absolute right. gore. You know, and, and he's been really open about this being like, yeah, I, I'm not restrained like I am by fucking Marvel and Disney anymore. Like right. I can I can I can do the what, you know, and you can tell like the, all the shots aren't all fucking previs. It's like we're just going to go there and film shit. We're just going to film shit blown up. Um, it's you know, there's going to be you know stuff where we we have something horrible happen and don't try to soften its impact with a funny joke it's just going to be a shit show and horrifying and the audience is going to feel really uncomfortable and it's not because it's supposed to be funny it's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable <laughs> so right uh, you know like how often you get a film like that anymore by a major studio
0: you know you you, you really don't and it's kind of the perfect uh, amalgamation of a lot of things and and you mentioned james gunn's trauma background and that really you know it's it was this is the most James Gunn movie I've seen out of him since maybe like Slither which was this this 2016 movie it was pretty low budget it was a horror movie but it's very it's just really like over the top balls to the wall a lot of gore a lot of practical effects which he loves there's a lot of it. surprisingly in this movie and obviously you know there's a ton of CGI as there has to be with things like fucking Starro the Destroyer but um, there's a lot of practical effects work in this movie, and I think that's what really sets it apart from just the 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 bland, dark, fucking you know polygons from from the first Suicide Squad, uh, which I'm sure we'll you know talk about in depth on this. But um, this is this is the kind of movies that these are the kind of movies that James Gunn loves to make, and I think he's at his best when he's allowed to make them. So, like you, I, I love Guardians of the Galaxy as in terms of. Marvel movies like I think that's you know among one of the better Marvel movies but you know it, it again like it what well, you said it wasn't his full it, it wasn't him unleashed it was him with a lot of Disney restrictions on him but he's just he just happens to be a very good uh writer of like character dialogue he's not like just horribly forced like Joss Whedon is he just he knows how to like have a bunch of people like say funny shit where it's not right. just like take you out of the action kind of ridiculous you know quips like you see and there's always Marvel. there's
1: always a point to the line and I didn't expect this so much in this film but like there's a lot of lines that seem like throwaway dialogue at the beginning of the film that right. are to- that are totally setting up something and it's just he he's trusting you that you're gonna you're gonna get the payoff you know even if it takes two and a half hours to get there for right. for a single line right um and you know and especially you know like you said with of the galaxy he's setting up all characters that no one's ever fucking heard of
0: right right
1: and and in a very short span of time and making you fall in love with them in a very short span of time and this movie only had what two characters from the last movie you know one of one of which three
0: which they killed right away one one of which (laughs) they killed like immediately
1: (laughs) right and it's not like you fucking remembered who the fuck was in suicide squad besides will smith and 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 and,
0: you know
1: and and i expected this to kind of be like again like the margot robbie show the harley quinn show and you know aside from her little movie within a movie uh (laughs) which they you know they kind of do here um she doesn't take up a lot of screen time and instead you get all these other just batshit crazy characters from the comic book you know he he really I feel like that's that's the kind of the ace in the hole that the DC has is that you've got watchmen like you you can go that dark when it needs to be right not not with superman <laughs> cuz <'cause laughs> right right not, that, that doesn't that doesn't work there but this is the material where you can get really fucking dark and satirical and say something real
0: about the world we live in right right so and you know the interesting thing about the characters in this movie and the fact that like as you said, there are but there are a bunch of fucking nobodies for the most part. James Gunn, when he was given this script or was when he was given this job, and like you know, he he set out to write a script. They told him like no characters off limits. Use anybody from the Suicide Squad pantheon, anyone from DC, whatever you want to do. Um, and so he initially his idea was to have the Suicide Squad, uh, take try to take down Superman, which is something that they did in the comics before. But he eventually decided he he really loves the original run of Suicide Squad comics, which Sean Ostrander, you know, writer and creator of the Suicide Squad, um, put together. And he wanted to be true to that run by featuring like the most obscure characters imaginable and actually making you care about them. And I mean, that's really in a lot of ways what he did with Guardians of the Galaxy. You hadn't heard of any of those fucking characters before that movie and now they're all kind of like marvel staples you know drax and fucking uh star like all those people uh w- nobody knew who those fucking characters were even though they would existed for 20 30 years uh and now they're all staples and i think this in a lot of ways i mean you know he took a calendar like the polka dot man and made him into like one of the emotional hearts right. of the fucking movie and it's like this is the, literally probably like at the top of everyone's list of like the worst comic book characters of all time he's a fucking polka dot guy who throws polka dots and he managed to like give give you a, a believable convincing kind of backstory for him same with the fuck same with Ratcatcher too like it what a preposterous fucking character but he, his writing is just so oh, good you,
1: that he you managed to take in anything and immediately it's just the most you know whatever the most violent awful brutal thing is you I- immediately endure it with uh humanity and humor right, and liability right, but
0: right. i didn't realize i was him at first like I, I had to really like go back i was like that, that looks like Thailand. i went and looked i was like oh yeah so he of course plays Ratcatcher one her or, or og Ratcatcher, the father of Ratcatcher two and the he made hitler scenes. lovable i mean
1: come on <laughs> right <laughs> did you know did you know that uh because i i always thought that um you know, he got Jojo Rabbit greenlit based off of doing Thor Ragnarok, and that's not true. He got Jojo Rabbit greenlit based off of what we do in Shadows, right? Right, which, which, which is he, fucking which so he, good, which he stars in. In the studio, execs basically said, "The only way we're gonna we're gonna give you the money to do Jojo Rabbit is if you play Hitler yourself, because <laughs> you're the only person we trust to do that and not have it be." You know, horrifying, Wild, wildly <laughs> offensive, right? Right, right. And, but it's you know, it, but again, it's like okay, it's 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 what a ten-year-old child who's in the Hitler Youth would imagine Hitler would be like, being that he's never met him before, right. right? And and it's still his imaginary friend, and it's you know, it's in, but it's just it's beautiful. It's one of the most amazing dark comedies uh about a really really dark period of history you could right, ever hey. have. And people, all, you know, people said, well, how can you? Make jokes about this. And he's like, that's the that's the single best way to undermine fascists and authoritarians is to mock them. Because that's the one thing they can't fucking tolerate. And it's the one thing that you have power over them that they don't have power over you. Right. And in that same regard, this movie, uh, The Suicide Squad, James Gunn really does tap into that. Um, because this this film is got some not even anti-imperialist undertones or you know themes it's like know, it becomes major it? parts right. of the plot right. major parts of the plot are you know uh, you, we're going to talk about this more in depth but um this is probably in some in some ways it falls into the trap of of critiquing US imperialism but ultimately um not breaking the wheel so to speak yeah but it's it's probably one of the best satirical comedy probably the best anti-imperialist satirical comedy since starship troopers
0: yeah and i real briefly before we fully get into that i want to kind of to, to background that i want to give people kind of a rundown of and and, and the reason i I even want to mention this is because i see a lot of the usual uh, kind of lazy critiques i see on twitter out of fellow leftists who are like oh what so do you guys really like the gusano squad or whatever like just, just real one-dimensional, not like film illiterate reading. How is of, of Idris the story Elba of the movie? Right. That's <laughs> so. So, but just to give people kind of an idea, because obviously, Coral Maltese, this fictional island that they are sent to, is—I mean, it's Cuba. It's fucking Cuba. It's obviously Cuba. It's an island off the coast of you know Florida. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna disagree well, on
1: that. Uh, but... Well, no,
0: I, I'll give you. I know for a fact. I'll, the reason I say that is because Coral Maltese did not was not created for the Suicide Squad, quarter Maltese existed. was first mentioned and created in uh, the excellent uh, Frank Miller uh, graphic novel uh, Dark Knight Returns, which came out in 1986. And uh, just a brief history on it, quarter Maltese was uh, basically a stand-in for Cuba. Uh, and in the Dark Knight Returns, there's like a Cuban Missile Crisis situation in Corto Maltese, right? And uh, Superman's actually sent there to basically uh stop the communist uprising in coral Maltese. So that's what uh and by Superman, by the way, is the villain of of the Dark Knight Returns, which is, you know, <laughs> I appreciate that he's the villain and he's the one, you know, destroying the communist uprising in this country. But um so and uh Dark Knight Returns, by the way, for people that don't know, is was a big uh influence on Zack Snyder's Batman v Superman, just without any of the interesting parts of that story like the whole you know not. fight fight superman in a mech suit and shoot him with a kryptonite bullet that explodes like the dust and it like all that comes directly from like almost shot for shot remake from the dark knight returns but none of the cool socio political uh undertones but so in any event so that islands existed right so that was a communist country uh, off the coast of Florida, that had a missile. So I mean, it's, it clearly, at least in DC lore, is considered Cuba. Sure, and sure. so, but the, the confusion then, I think, in this movie, comes with like, oh, well, they overthrew the, the you know, the this regime that this family that was controlling it. And I mean, it to me, it was very clear that it was like a right wing military junta that overthrew the existing government of of Quirino Maltese, like the, the the people that they were you know taking on even though we realized they weren't taking them on were were clearly the right wing like military uh, this right wing military coup i think the only confusion that people had was that um they were saying that the the current like this this coup was not uh friendly to the united states and obviously you know most are so that's i think that's where the weird That half, you know, half measure of it kind of came in.
1: Well, that's where they kind of, you know, so clearly this is based on uh, the history of a lot of Latin American countries. Sure, right. The direct history of at least what happens in this film mirrors uh, the country where they actually shot most of the exteriors, which is Panama. And in that country, you know, normally if you have a right-wing dictatorship, America is just fine with that. Now, the one exception to that was a guy that used to work for the CIA who, <laughs> right. who became a right-wing dictator of Panama, Manuel Noriega, who we then went in there and took out because he fought, right. he started, you know, he was a right-wing dictator but he was uh, aligned against American interests. So, at right. least that much of the film tracks with that. And I was confused too. I was like, "Wait, why would why would America have a problem with a right-wing dictator right. taking over?" And uh but you yeah, know, you know, still the confusion because obviously they get there and just start massacring people. Um, you know, there's, there's the scene where they walk into the camp and just start killing everyone, not having no idea who they are. They were just told, go there and rescue, you know, this guy who's on your team. Um, and they're just, you know, like lighting people on fire for, right. you know, just st- who are unarmed, you know, as a woman who, uh, takes a fucking, a blow dart to the neck for, for the crime of washing her laundry. Uh, and that's when you kind of get to, you know, realize like, this isn't supposed to be funny. This isn't, this they, is supposed they, to be trash
0: and that's the funniest thing on a fun, but the most the, the best thing about that scene is like it really is set up like a like a super high level comedy scene where it's like they're just doing these increasingly ridiculous show-offy things to kill uh this th- these these insurgents that they you know that they think they're they're taking on um and then yeah and then you see uh john cena peacemaker uh kill a woman who's literally like you know uh like washing her fucking clothes and the guy like, oh. who's asleep
1: and he just stabs him like 50 times while he's laying there asleep. <laughs> right. and, and I love like when they, they kill a bunch of people and make a bunch of noise. And then they're like, still like creeping quietly. Right. And, and nobody's the camera, raising the, <laughs> it's the camera pans over and there's like 10 more guys right there looking at them, creeping towards them. Like you didn't, they didn't hear any of that. And then you kind of like expand <laughs> the joke to the point where they get to the tent finally. And they're like, why didn't anyone tell, tell me you were here? Like, uh, I don't know. We didn't see anybody. It's like just, <laughs>
0: really oh, no, it,
1: really going for like a joke of that low caliber but like to, you know it, telling a 10 minute joke basically right. with very little psych payoff gag, a 10 minute psych gag right <laughs> it's like, but it's but it's but it's exactly to to tell you like yes this is exactly you know it's it's a fucking scene in predator where they kill everyone and go oh we were told they were ter- these guys were terrorists oh right. turns out they just don't like our government you know our government doesn't like their government right, so we just is. killed a bunch of people for a lie um, But that's, you know, really, that's kind of like just the beginning of the criticism, right? And it's almost like, you know, we're so awful and the whole world thinks of America as the supervillain that any show about, you know, any any honest show about american superheroes has to acknowledge the fact that they would be fucking psychopaths you know that's right. why the that's well, why the boys was so successful
0: and that's why peacemaker is getting his own hbo max show right because it's the same you know the same reason homelander works is why peacemaker works and by the way both of those characters are are and i i you know i forgot to mention this when we were talking about the boys but they're both cut from the same template as superman in the dark knight returns because that was the original version of this character, this character who represents America and thinks he's righteous, but is doing heinous atrocities committing heinous atrocities at the behest of the U S government. And I think Frank Miller, you know, for all his other flaws as a human was the first guy to really put that idea to paper. And I'm sure it was like very controversial at the time to DC to be like, Oh no, Superman's a fascist. Like you guys, you guys don't realize that like he's a fucking fascist. Um, i mean and, all of the watchmen <laughs> right know? right right but and so but like that was you know at the time w- revolutionary uh a, a revolutionary idea in the comics world and watchmen i think came out the same year or the, right around that same time one year later uh at, as as the dark knight returns but that's really the that you know it, it, alan moore and frank miller were the first people to kind of put that idea into the universe and now we're seeing the logical extension of that with characters like homelander and with peacemaker um even who, with uh, fucking captain
1: White privilege on uh falcon and the winter soldier right right i think they marvel did a great job of really pushing the the envelope there but again they still do that thing where it's like yes but uh, they still
0: make the left-wingers the terrorists in that show
1: <laughs> right right for no reason it's like oh we have our our aims are totally good but we have to have them like just kill a bunch of civilians for no reason so that right. they're still the bad guy right but right. the show does the same thing that that all these these you know mild critiques of of imperialism do is that at the end of the day nothing changes nothing gets challenged right and it's it's slightly better imperialism <laughs> it's like yes we've done bad things but you know we saved a city what more we can't save everything <laughs> right. like like literally you know it's and and I think part of that is just the film industry uh, being so such a, a tool of our, uh, the state in America, uh, you know, like only allows so much criticism before you have to say, OK, look, if you really want to know like how awful we are, go watch a fucking de- documentary about Ed- Edward Snowden. Right. <laughs> right. Like, this right. Is, we're trying to entertain you and not make you feel bereft by the end of this thing
0: right right so yeah and i, I think there's just a re- a lot of really interesting stuff with that um and uh you know obviously the 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 kind of uh whole thing of the the, the whole thing of the movie is that we end up figuring out that you know it wasn't this government that was the, the whole reason they were sent on this mission is to cover up the u.s's malfeasance in unleashing this fucking uh starro creature on onto the populace because they it was the U.S uh brought this this alien you know blob or whatever the fuck it was uh it was back. starfish starfish literal, literal, literal space
1: starfish <laughs> because they wanted to mine its own business right as, as it says at the end of the movie i was, yeah, happy, I was perfectly floating, happy floating out the stars and that's what's so fucking tragic because that that line when it comes at the end you're just like fuck right and that, that's probably like everyone is has talked about the anti-imperialist um you know themes of the, of the movie but that at the end there, that's that's the real indictment. That's the real imperialism, right? When you when you see the astronauts strapping the thing down, right, and like giving a thumbs, and thumbs, and like, thumbs right. up to the camera, which was supposed to be a direct uh, correlation to like the thumbs up Abu torture photo, right? Like that, that was directly supposed to uh, invoke that. Um, and then the thing, you know, it spits out the three little things that that you know the face huggers purely as a defense mechanism and even at the end of the movie when it's when it bursts out you know uh 150 feet tall and we get the the great you know i loved all the um you know the 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 in-scene uh title cards for the different scenes we get right but i love the one at the end you know star the conqueror versus suicide squad (laughs) you know even then Starro only shoots out the more the little face hugger mind control things after he, you know, they, she, I guess they, uh, does a does a space starfish have gender That if it self replicates? I don't know. <laughs> um, Starro sounds like a guy's name because it's Latin America and it ends with an O, right? So I'm right. go with he. He only does that as after he gets shot at by the military as a defense mechanism.
0: Right. So yeah right exactly so and you know the the whole i think that one of the best things this movie does uh in especially in relation to the first suicide squad uh is the way it took characters from that movie and just did such a better job of a turning them into real characters and not just pastiches and fucking you know stereotypes like the first movie did but Um, really just recontextualizing them to where it wasn't like, oh, this is a different character. It's like, oh no, this is kind of a sequel to that movie, but these characters are just written a thousand times better. And I think Amanda Waller is like the best example of that because she is just an all-time fucking piece of shit, like like supervillain in this movie because she's just such a massive prick. Like, it's... I I really like especially in that last scene where where she you know she really snaps and like for no reason whatsoever after the you know they had destroyed the uh the Jotunheim facility uh and and presumably destroyed the the evidence of the US's uh malfeasance in trying to weaponize Starro and accidentally you know unleashing him um she she just threatens to blow them all up for no fucking reason like they basically like she basically is like you know leave them alone because it'll actually look a lot better for the U S if, if, if Starro destroys this country, because then we can just blame it on the, on this, this, this regime, this military regime that took over.
1: Right. And I think it's actually one of the other characters who says it that, you know, anything that disrupts the a country that the U S doesn't support is something we support. So right. thousands of people dying in an earthquake or a coup or whatever, as long as it, it makes someone else look bad or disturbs their lives it helps us because our country you know imperialism is about supremacy
0: right so and and, and just you know the, the way she plays that and she Viola davis is a great actress i mean she's an oscar-winning actress and you know she was kind of slumming it in the original suicide squad um but i i really think james gunn put her talents to use in this movie because she's just very fucking hateable um and and so much so that you know her staff even like fucking just is like I we can't let her you know uh, like as as reprehensible as that staff may be because they still work for this person who's like the devil incarnate they still were like no yeah they're taking they're taking bets on who's
1: gonna die (laughs) right they're all even assholes but right but even they can't stomach the idea of thousands of civilians being massacred so they're kind of like Eh, we should at least let our prison slaves try to save the city,
0: <laughs> right? Because they still are under the, the the impression that that thing that we always talk about, where fascists have to justify what they're doing as the right thing, they're under the impression that no, well, we work for the good guys. We imprison these bad guys and we use them for 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 good means for for good. You know, we for, we we use them for to as the means to an end, basically. Um, when we really see that they're actually just used to further U.S. imperialism and misery around the world. Um, and a lot of these people who are in this prison are in there for, you know, uh, undiscernible, like, I don't, why is Ratcatcher 2 in prison? Like, I, I'm sure they said it, and it like, as a throwaway line, and I missed it, but, like, most of these people seem, like, not that bad. Like, like you know, like Polka Dot Man, I'm sure he, like, had to rob a bank or something, because he's, like, weird and, like, has, you know, w- w- what else is that guy going to do, but. Um, I I get the sense that he killed his mother in real life, and then he's never really... Right, but but to be fair, I mean, can anyone really... Considering the way he talked about his mother, I don't know if anyone would blame him
1: for... He had more of a reason to kill his mother than the Joker fucking did in the fucking... Right, for uh, sure, for sure. So I I read a bunch of uh, essays. Um, I just did a keyword search for The Suicide Squad, U.S. Imperialism, and I found just uh, so many, so many essays about people critiquing the film for not going far enough in uh, attacking imperialism and one of them is actually from foreign policy.com which is not where you expect it to you know hear somebody say Isn't that it like a right-wing uh, website like for the most part but it's also just like they need they needed somebody to need write about right. you know the suicide squad mm-hmm. in a way it was going to be compelling so they got some like left-wing libertarian type guy to to write this and I, I don't even know if i really need to read from it but you know he makes a big connection between you know the imperialism and you know our carceral state you know right. where where the united states has more people in prison than china not per capita but more Total. people in prison right. a country that's what three four times larger than the us by population and 20, um yeah, like, you know we just more we than just that, yeah. you saw that, that news story yesterday where um California had a uh, a convict who was fighting wildfires from who was from Vietnam, and as soon as he was released, they handed him over to ICE to be deported.
0: Yeah, great, great, fucking, great fucking country we live in. I think we have thirty percent of the world's prison population, and we only have like six percent of the world's pot. It's something in that range, but it's some way outsized representation. So uh, the
1: idea that this is you know the the taking people from prison and putting them in you know life or death right uh, work situations to further the goals of uh profit for corporations, How which is, is
0: that not an, a, an indictment of the carceral state. It's like, like exactly this, what we do this, on steroids.
1: You know, all, all we did from, you know, taking prison firefighters to this movie was change their costumes, honestly, right. <laughs> and give them guns instead
0: of hoses. Like that's all the, <laughs> right. it's the only difference really. Um, no, very much so. And, and even like the first, you know, the opening scene, we get Idris Elba who's in prison for, shooting crypt- uh superman with a kryptonite bullet which is hilarious speaking of it real quick um, he
1: in real life is a dj and is not only a dj but a really good fucking house dj uh yeah. you
0: can look up some of
1: his live sets on youtube they're free he also and... does
0: like r&b music too like i don't does know if he... you ever heard yeah it's pretty good it's it's like almost like reggae it's it's good it's not bad and eh, it doesn't
1: sound like i said like i can ride my bike too so i'm gonna stick with his house sets but <laughs> no it's, uh... it's a vibey <laughs> th- it's more of
0: a vibey thing but but check yeah. it. it's not bad um But yeah, I mean, this is
1: like people have said it's kind of a breakout role for him. He's not really had a a, a mainstream lead role. He's played mostly uh, supporting uh, characters, supporting roles and usually still steals the show. So, uh, he's a great, great, great to to see him finally get, um, you know, I mean, I didn't didn't go into this thinking he was going to be the lead character. I knew he was in it. Right. But I didn't know he was going to be the, you know, real breakout role.
0: Yeah, a couple, a couple things I want to mention about him. Number one, if anyone hasn't seen Luther, uh, it's a great fucking show, and he's great on it. It's a it's a Brit, it's BBC crime drama where he kind of plays a detective who investigates like serial killer. It's really good. He's really good in it. It's like the most undistilled Idris you'll get. Um, obviously, everyone remembers uh, him as Stringer Bell. He was fucking great on The Wire uh, for the couple seasons that he was on there. Um, oh or, yeah was that well, the first season only I, he, I i forget when he spoilers no, gets killed i don't then,
1: remember exactly but yeah when he when he goes out i wasn't expecting it
0: because i was no like, it was very unexpected how, how what the fuck like look how they murdered my boy look right. how they murdered my boy <laughs> right but he's so good His by the way his accent his american accent on that show is great yeah like i didn't even know he was british when i because that was the first thing i think i'd seen him in I watched him in the Suicide Squad and I didn't even know he was British. i know, Obviously. But it, his American accent in the bar, too, is hilarious in the Suicide Squad because, like, you know he can do it, a great it goes away Baltimore really accent. Quick. As soon right, as they grab
1: him, it goes away, yeah.
0: It's, it's it's weird to see an actor who does a good American accent have to act as if he can't do an American accent. Like, you know, it's, a, it's one of those weird you know like uh like triple layered things but um no he's great in this and clearly i mean blood sport was like james gunn wrote this movie with Deadshot in it you know will smith's character from the first movie and will smith was going to be in it and he had uh scheduling conflicts because he was shooting uh the um king richard which is that that movie that looks really good that's coming out where he plays the uh uh the father of uh venus and serena williams that tennis movie that's coming did, out did
1: they shoehorn his son into the movie somehow oh god are they, that, are they gonna they're gonna like i show hope he's up over that fucking that deserted, unfortunate deserted period with hope... him and his son and they're right <laughs> hope... he has a clone who's a oh, twin god, assassin
0: i really like... hope this is like a return to because he's actually a really good dramatic actor when he wants to be i mean he's thought he was great in pursuit of happiness like he's a good actor but he just has this psychotic family who he insists on foisting upon us uh at, at any and all times but um no but like clearly it was written for him i mean the fucking character has all the same traits as deadshot he has a daughter you know uh, that that like is you know mad at him for being locked like it's literally like he barely changed anything but it was like all right well will smith uh can't do the movie but also he he almost like made idris elba dead shot but then he was like eh, i want to give will smith a chance to return to the franchise later um you know as this as a sep- as his own character so they they found another character who was very similar from the comics uh, of Bloodsport. um so you know he kind of transitioned to that but it was funny because you can you could tell it's very much like a straight up fucking you know it didn't change much (laughs) well they even
1: poke fun at it by having peacemaker have the exact same backstory and viola davis when she introduces each character literally says the exact same sentence to describe both of them
0: right and which was a great easter egg for later in the movie (laughs) because like you because amanda waller doesn't put a team together willy-nilly she puts a team together with one person who does each thing they need them to like each person on that team has a very specific skill right even and, if that skill is just to die <laughs> well exactly well that's why you look at the, the team from the opening and you're like this is a bunch of fucking clowns like tdk which you later find out stands for the detachable kid or something like that oh, <laughs> and His I,
1: only power God, I, I loved all that shit it was so good that, that whole opening scene of just just like the weasel like what the fuck is that <laughs> Is that a fucking dog? Yeah, sitting next to a fucking werewolf. This is a werewolf? And there's a guy whose arms detach like a like an action figure. And then he can like control them and they float through the <laughs> air, but don't really do anything except slap
0: people. You and you know? can tell all, like,
1: this was like the worst never used the arms before. Right. This all of this shit was like so Tromeo and Juliet, like Tromovision. Oh, so
0: much swamp
1: I, yes. thing. Just like it, it was so great to see like just that There's... whole motif of <laughs> you know, like eighties muscle men and figure kind big of bullshit name actors
0: too so it, like it, that was a great subversion i think that uh, of, by gun of like so you think that's like the crew you think it's going to be weasel and michael rooker's character and pete da- the guy from snl pete davidson oh, and so nathan fillion
1: blown off in the first five <laughs> right. seconds i'm like oh i'm so right. happy i don't have to watch him in this movie
0: and nathan fillion who's fucking great uh at, you know the tdk obviously um and all these big big name uh, actors who he's friends with and he brought them all in like just to kind of give him a nice payday but also to kind of make the audience think like oh obviously this is the team because this is the guys he loves working with and he kills them off immediately which was a great little subversion uh, to say no, that wasn't the real suicide squad. This is the real suicide squad. Oh yeah, and, I know people that
1: were mad that Michael Rooker was not in the rest of the movie. I was like, you've seen him in everything. You right, don't that He doesn't cool need story. to be in everything. You know, <laughs> like you've already got half the fucking cast of Guardians of the Galaxy making appearances in this film.
0: Right. Like he doesn't need to be the whole thing. <laughs> right. His brother was all <laughs> over this thing. He was there twice. He was the fucking uh, voice of the rat uh, of uh, uh what's his name? Perci- I forget his name, but uh and also the calendar man was like in in that one sylvester
1: stallone was the voice of the king shark like that's you know
0: That's like
1: we got literally half the cast of guardians of the galaxy 2 is in this movie
0: (laughs) also perfect fucking casting of him just monosyllabic like just (laughs) bird bird oh yeah Uh, i actually thought it was before i I, uh
1: had read the credits i thought it was john goodman i honestly thought it was john goodman (laughs) Uh, and then there was a little bit of a change, and I was like, "No, it's not John Goodman, but who is it?" And then when I read it, was Sly Stallone. I was like, right. "Okay, that's perfect." And perfect. I read an article. Apparently, it was just like you know, because James Gunn writes all these characters, knowing who is going to be in it, because he can get anyone he wants to be in his movies, who he's worked with before, he's friends with, right. and apparently he he just talked to to Sly Stallone. He's like, "Yeah, you're gonna you're not going to have too many lines of dialogue, but it'll be like a, you know, like a two day." two Days he'll audio record and he'll be easy for you, but you're playing a giant, uh, you know, huge roided out shark man. <laughs> and uh, Sly stallone's response was, Anything for you, brother? <laughs>
0: is, like, apparently, you I, don't
1: have to sell me on it, I'm right, w- whatever you want, brother.
0: Right, that's why I love Sly, but no, I, and so apparently, also, I read that he had tr- actually tried a couple other actors in the role, like who read through the whole, and again, it's like you said, it's two days, it wasn't much of a, a read through, but he had two other actors read through the entire like do the entire movie in 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 vr and it like he just said it just wasn't working and he and he eventually was like you know i gotta get sly it's who i wanted originally he just never thought he would do it and then he went and asked him he was like oh yeah no absolutely (laughs) i'd love to um and he and he's great he's great as king shark but and
1: how could you how could you star in and write Rocky and not love that fucking shark to death? I mean, that's <laughs> you
0: you you're the guy. You're the fucking shark. <laughs> no, it was great. Um, I, I, I really loved all the casting in this movie. John Cena, I thought, was fucking great uh, as Peacemaker. He he really just that you know, and he he on the press junket would always describe it as like a douchebag Captain America, uh, and that was like the original kind of characterization that um, James Gunn. Uh, put forth when writing the character and it it, it just does go, it, it goes beyond that. And I, I, the thing I like about his character is like in the opening scene, it's like, like you mentioned about how they set things up for later. There's two things that in that opening scene that they set up that are like little comedy, sight gags or comedy things at the time that come back to be super important to the crux of the movie Um when she's introducing him. And again, uses the exact same, line to introduce him uh that she uses to introduce bo- uh describe blood sport you're like well why the fuck is he on the team they literally do the exact same thing and even at that point i was like why is he even in prison like he clearly like he's done atrocities but he does he did like you know atrocities that america loves usually when people do um but it's but then when at the end of the movie you realize he was a plant from waller the entire time and that he was only on the team because he knew the real mission objective which was to destroy the evidence of the u.s trying to weaponize starro you know uh basically as like a super nuke you know and um and the other line that was great was like that that idris was like you know why do you why do you use such big bullets and he's like oh big bullets you know blow up more like they 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 destroy more and he's like oh well you know you should use smaller bullets and in that final scene where they fucking both fire at the exact same time uh uh, uh blood sports bullet goes right through uh Peacemaker's bullet because it's way fucking bigger and it manages to like thread the needle through his bullet and and hit and it just, uh, you know it looks
1: cool but it also suggests that you know being big and dumb and a brute and right, you know, there, it's being, being a bully is ultimately self-defeating when you can be slightly more sophisticated
0: exactly in
1: yeah. being a criminal or <clears throat> you know trying to have uh slightly more morals, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, I mean, it just look fucking looks cool, and it's like we're we're on a plane where we, you know, there's a giant fucking starfish, there's a giant fucking shark, there's a guy that shoots polka dots. So like, you you, you we're willing to accept anything at that point. So right. a bullet bullet shooting through another bullet and then hitting the guy in the neck and taking him out, like we're just like whatever that look cool. Right. <laughs> keep 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 feeding us more, keep feeding us more, right? Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> Right, but so I, I, and you know, I, I, I really liked that. I really thought Cena's performance was great. Um, uh, a lot of the cast, a lot of the cast from the original too. I, I you know, uh, Joel Kinnaman who plays uh, Rick Flag. I thought they did a lot. They gave him a lot more to do. He was a very one-dimensional, bland character in the original Suicide Squad, and he, he really felt like uh, he he was able to bring a lot more to that character. I mean, and obviously. You know, it's not that he had a big backstory, but he just he was able to bring a lot more personality and likability sure. to the character. Well, I you, think. you
1: said this off air, but you said, you know, all these people were perfectly cast even in the first film. Oh, it's right. just that they so, weren't even anything to do. The first 45 minutes of that movie is is you being told about how badass they are and right. never
0: showing it. Set right? to like now that's what I call <laughs> classic rock, the soundtrack, you know, like it's just right that, that everything about that movie was was poorly put together. and And, so, you know. It
1: sort of does kind of track with the, the idea that, like, if you see a good actor giving a bad performance in a movie, it's not because they did a bad performance. It's because you're seeing the take the director took, which was not their best take.
0: Right. right? It's, right.
1: it's It's the director not getting, you know... Or, or possibly get, not getting the good, best performance because they're not a good director, or telling the actor script to, to or, do know. something that the actor knows isn't right for the character.
0: Right. So, and and I and I've said this for a while. Even when those movies came out, even when Batman v Superman came out, that fucking abortion of a film, I was like, these people were all really well cast in their roles. Like Ben Affleck's a fucking great Batman. Like he's i'm up there with like keaton for me for like best batman performances but he's just in the worst fucking oh, batman movies but my man val kilmer <laughs> I, I actually <laughs> really like val kilmer despite again being in a really i don't even remember fucking... him
1: being in i mean i don't i, I like val kilmer too yeah actually has a documentary just came out on yeah um,
0: i, I want to check that out i saw that yeah, is it on hbo max again I don't it's on one of them yeah
1: yeah uh, um but
0: um but yeah, no, I don't. I, mean, re-
1: I don't remember him in Batman. I don't no. remember Val Kilmer in Batman. He, I, have, actually, I have no memory.
0: <laughs> he was a good, uh, a good, a good Batman. Not a great Bruce Wayne, but but no, I I really like Affleck, um, in 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 as that character. I thought even Cavill's not a bad Superman. Like everyone in the first Suicide Squad as well, really well cast. Margot Robbie's fucking is Harley Quinn. Like she's perfect in that role. I think as evidenced by her performance in this movie, where it was just the perfect. Movie like live action version of that character from the comics and from the animated series. Um, but you know, they were just written terribly and directed terribly and edited terribly. And you know, even David Ayer, who directed Suicide Squad, is like, That's not my movie. And like, I'm not sure that his movie was much better than that, but he's like, Well, I didn't have any, uh, all my music was scored, like, there was none of those needles, dr- all that shit was added in by the studio post fact because of how poorly received uh batman v superman was because it was a droll you know dark fucking moody mess
1: that was was the problem was that the the first film was supposed to be completely free of comedy and was only self-serious right Right. and the studio was like we gotta have some humor in here and so they kind of forced it in so and it was really
0: just yeah poorly
1: but but some of the only memorable scenes in that first film were where they did force in the comedy. So I, I'm sure that they looked at it and they were like, this is just it's a mess. And also <laughs> right. there's nothing funny. So at least it can be a mess with something's funny. Right. And it it didn't work either. But they they clearly were trying to fix something they knew wasn't working. Um, and this just works. Right? right. Like this is this is what. You know, and it's it's just so ridiculous that they would like I, I don't even I probably don't align up with James Gunn's politics that much. He, you know, just was one of these like, fairly liberal G- right. Trump fetishists um, and got himself in trouble with them. And but Marvel firing him for old tweets like just ridiculous was so was so dumb. Like you're going to you're just going to make him more of a, you know, give him more of a following and a fan base by you know acting like this pc culture shit you know this cancel culture as they call it um really is you know a problem for people to want to just get their movie out there and you know so many elements of this film feel like a middle finger to marvel oh right yeah for sure because <laughs> he made sh- this
0: in the interim before he was hired back he wrote and and you know was making this when he was hired back so most of this was written with the that kind of fuck you disney fuck you right. marvel Attitude.
1: The, the, the shirt that uh Captain Flag <laughs> right. or whatever the fuck he ha- his name is. Um yeah. the 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 uh there's like a animated character on his yellow t-shirt that he has on the whole time holding a sign up that translates to uh I don't know if you have it. Um
0: it, it was like uh something creates opportunity. Uh, uh, obj- obstacles create op- opportunities or something obje- something of that nature. Right.
1: Right. Which is which everyone has said is like a direct uh right you know kind of middle finger to, to disney saying you know like firing me just gave me more creative freedom to go you know try to
0: right do something i've ever had... fun.
1: you know the fact that warner brothers would give me more creative license than disney uh is is saying something
0: right and i i really think this is like the shot in the arm that warner brothers and the dc you know eu whatever needs to fucking Get out of the funk of like tr- we we've said that before though. <laughs> well, but I yeah I mean even you know they've never but they still haven't really come out with a uh, before this a really good DC movie like like you know the- uh,
1: everyone said Wonder Woman was the one that was the really good one that was going to save them and then it came out with Wonder Woman two uh, or, or Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. Wonder
0: Woman was only good and- because people watched it right after they watched Batman. V. Like it's really not good when you hold it up to like. Some of the better superhero movies. No. It's just
1: it, it's it's just it was it was good for DC. Right. And then exactly. the second one was just fucking I somebody showed me a clip of the of the the mall scene from Wonder Woman 1984. And I thought <laughs> yeah. it was like a Tim and Eric parody of something. And then I was so like, bad. what is what the fuck is this? They're like this is this is literally a scene from Wonder Woman, right, and I was uh, like taken out of context, I was just like laughing at it like, what the fuck is this shit right this, you, this, I mean, is, this has got to be like a parody of like an 80 s you know Miami
0: vice action movie, and right. no, this was just re- like actually what the movie was, which was right. terrible and never mind the fact that the plot was basically written and sponsored by the fucking IDF and she was you know <laughs> taking on Arab terrorists the entire fucking movie like it was just oh. it was an atro it was an atrocity of a, of a movie, but it it you know it, again so DC really has just not had a lot of luck at all because they really tried to just you know they saw dollar signs when Marvel was putting together their their cinematic universe uh, which they did really fucking slowly you know by by movie standards it took them ten years to fully like you know get that thing off the ground and they had to make all of these solo movies and Iron Man and fucking Thor like all these movies before they were able to endear these characters to people and DC was just like, ah, fuck it, we'll just throw them all together, and it failed, so I think this is, uh, what they should be focusing on now, is just letting really good filmmakers, uh, like, giving them the freedom to just do whatever the fuck they want, and then what you get as a result of that is something like Suicide Squad, just a really fucking balls-to-the-wall, like, almost like a, a tromo homage and like at the same time also an homage to like those great like seventies kind of action war movie, like the dirty dozen and shit like that. It's like got a very, you know, uh, men on a mission type feel to it, but it's also just, you could tell it was like a labor of love of the director and that's what the, they should just fucking let the, these people do. And what you're going to have from that is characters that people like so much that they're going to want to see them in other movies and in team up movies. And then they can do the shit that they want to do. You know, it's got to be such a hard
1: thing, though, to be an executive and know that you're spending upwards of tens or hundreds of millions of dollars and be like, God, I so want to let, you know, a creative director just do whatever they want. Right. And then you see what they're doing and you go, oh, fuck, like this. No one's going to pay to watch this, you know, (laughs) and and you and you realize, like, I'm going to I'm about to lose hundreds of millions of dollars of this studio's money. And right, like with, I'm never going to work in this town again. Right. So so that that trade off of like, you know, do you know, back Frank back, you know, Frank's episode this, you know, back in the 60s, music was better because the suits didn't know what was good or not. They right, were just right. like, you kids fucking come up with it. We don't know. And then later on, mm-hmm. the 70s and 80s, all of the people who were the fucking hippies in the 60s became the suits and they were convinced they knew what good music was. Right. And look at the result of that. Like, listen, listen to the band Chicago in the early 70s versus the 1980s listen listen to jeff's airplane versus starship <laughs> right. you know, it's it's like what what the fuck happened why right. did like how did we let this happen so you know i i'm glad this turned out better it was better than i expected it to be obviously right. um and you know just just embracing wholeheartedly the absurdity of it and telling a good story and having like multiple undercurrents of themes here you know it's it's a little bit of like the you know I like uh, bastards and broken things line from game of thrones of just we all identify with people who have soul crushing uh life circumstances because surprise so do we um, <laughs> right and you know I said this too like this this film is sort of an animal rights movie but not purely for animals but it's you know the the caring for things that are vulnerable caring for animals or the idea of caging animals is really just a stand-in for caging people right. and how we treat each other. Right. You know, the, I love that, you know, when, when Michael Rooker kills the uh, little uh, yellow finch, that it doesn't take long before uh, the, the finch's partner gets revenge by eating his corpse. Very um, <laughs> yeah, uh, similar to like the lighthouse, which we reviewed uh, right. a months back. Um, but you notice that like the bird, when it, when it flies down to his floating corpse, doesn't fly to his corpse from the island. It flies from offshore implying that that bird flew there all the way from America, (laughs) that it was, it was the bird's partner and flew all that way to fucking peck at his corpse, which I I just, I love that Like that little, that little amount of detail that it flew to him from off sea rather than from the shore, just to, just to make the point that like, yeah, karma's a bitch (laughs) and you're going to get yours. So it's like literally anyone that, that hurts an animal in this movie gets a violent, brutal death. Right. And anyone that cares for an animal in this movie is basically the good guy. And that's, that's their, that's the, their, you know, how they're signaling the virtue of these characters, you know, and even, even peacemaker, you know, he's not totally evil because he gets to the line when the waitress doesn't bring a drink for the rat. He's like, Hey, Hey, one more for the rat. Like <laughs> even he is not totally evil because he's on the side of the animals, you well, know, the, and is. Yep. Well, there's also that, that uh, real brief scene where they're planting the the C4 and King Shark makes a little Peacemaker doll out of the C4. And at first he's like, it looks like nothing like me. And he gets mad and he's like, <laughs> ah, no, no, it's fine. It's good. Just just keep like he he reluctantly. So so I'm imagining that like when they when they because, you know, they're not going to do a show where Peacemaker is just flat out, you know, Captain White privilege from uh, Falcon, and the Winter Soldier or. Uh, you know, Reminder, um, totally irredeemable piece of garbage, it's going right? to be more like an American mm-hmm. dad kind of satire where right. it's going to be a mix of characters and their politics kind of clash. But ultimately, you love them all because that's the only way you could tell that story and make it entertaining to people. Whoops. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm very yeah. interested, it, you know, and it also this character kind of mirrors his character from Bumblebee, the only good Transformer movie, because it was not <laughs> in not any way Michael involved. <laughs> right. Exactly. And he plays this like total right-wing fascist uh military guy who has a giant portrait of ronald reagan behind his desk <laughs> who ultimately realizes he's a fascist and tries to go a different route and realizes that like the decepticons he's like C- look they have their name is decepticon Decept- right. deceptions in their name what the fuck are you not getting uh and he ultimately yeah yeah exactly it's it's such a fun movie <laughs> It's such like a, you know, teenage girl and her giant robot friend movie. Right. They they finally fucking did something worthwhile with that franchise, but uh yeah, so he uh, he he was great all around in this role, but well, you know, really really the animals are James Gunn, whole, he, he's so good at having animals be characters, you know, from Rocket and Guardians and just like knowing how to do really good uh motion capture CGI and and making something so that you even if you know it's CGI you never are thinking that's a CGI character
0: right and two other little bits of of animal kind of animal rights like uh, themes in this movie uh, uh uh what's his name blood sports big kind of emotional arc of the movie is number one he realizes that ratcatcher is you know very much uh a proxy for his daughter and he he sees a lot of his daughter in her and wants to protect her but also overcoming his like his emotional journey of the movie was overcoming his fear of rats by the end of the movie where at the beginning of the movie he was like terrified of rats and at the end he's like willing to you know to shake the rat's hair whatever he does with the rat um her her, her main rat uh the, the one with the backpack uh, uh Sebastian that was his name uh like you know kind of like accept him as like a yeah as like somebody that you know is an equal part of the team um and also the the thing with the, with Weasel too, where he fucking and it's played for comedy, but um where where he you know is with the team and he jumps out of the plane at the beginning, and he drowns and they're like, did anyone find out if the rat can if the Weasel can swim? And he fucking. Most important mission ever. We'd even
1: check to see if they all could <laughs> the live. Gets- but that's, but that's. I mean, that was not, that scene. I was like, they're not playing it for laughs, and right. they're not playing it for horror. It's somewhere in between where you're meant to feel uncomfortable and meant to have questions right. and meant to be like, what the, you know, what the Which fuck is kind even of is? This?
0: Gun specialty. I mean, if you right. watch movie like Slither, right. A lot. There's a lot and, of that in there. And you know?
1: when you get to the end, and this this you know weasel creature who you know, isn't, you're not even really sure if it knows where it is or what's going on at all, uh, sort of wakes up and lives, it's kind of like, yes, all the animals, you know, kind of get their revenge or, or get their justice or are resurrected, but also the fact that, like, they, they you know, suggested he might be a werewolf, and he wakes up <laughs> under a full moon and then goes, wanders off into the jungle like some fucking chupacabre. Uh, so funny. And, and, and you remember his crime was that he killed 27 children. So, like, it, <laughs> he might still think he's on the mission and he's just going to start wreaking havoc. So, (laughs) you know, but, and I, I love the, you know, the finale because it's like, like, yes, Starro is the monster who's seeking revenge for, uh, uh, you know, decades of abuse and torture and injustice. But like, it's still an existential threat that they have to stop regardless of, of, you know, how we got to this point. and, Having all the rats just like a, a you know, uh, an army of the dead of all rats just like taking it out is this, you know, and and blood sport kind of being like washed over like a baptism of rats, uh, <laughs> who aren't there to hurt him but are there to, to be his, you know, his to friend. Everything. Him, yeah. Like, just just to you know, imagine pitching this to somebody like, okay, so, uh, an army of rats <clears throat> is attacking a 150 foot starfish, and that it's the emotional climax of the movie and you're probably going to cry right. and imagine the room of executives being like uh okay you're james gunn and we're sure you can do it <laughs> you know <laughs> um but then you know also just like like harley with the javelin uh, oh, yeah. You're, you're, you're like, okay, that's good. That, that javelin's gonna, she's gonna stab it in there and then fall to the ground. And instead, she plunges into the eye, which, <laughs> which would be full of, I don't even know how thick the fluid in your eye is, if it's thicker, just water or whatever, but it's a fucking starfish. So it's like 99% water anyway. Um, and then all the rats like following her in there and like chewing on all the nerves and tendons to kill it and, and making this like this strangely beautiful moment. Right. You know, even though it's like horribly violent. Disgusting, uh, right? It just, you know and, and obviously like you can do these things if you pace it right and you build up to it and have the right music because music tells us how to feel right um but it then also it having, tell you what's
0: happening in the scene it should enhance the emotions of a scene which exactly it does in this movie. exactly
1: but then having the general with the face hugger starfish saying that line i was happy floating staring at the stars and it just like crushes you Right. Because you realize like what what this really is. Like
0: he's not evil. He's just, you know, it's it's not a beautiful animal, moment. It's right. actually
1: a horrifying moment. And it's like, you know, James Gunn is, is making you feel bad for the thing you just felt good about. You know, I'm trying to tr- cram as many different emotions in there as possible. And I just I think that, you know, if you can pull that that off, that's really fucking good storytelling. Yeah. Regardless of what you think about whether it goes far enough in in, in indicting imperialism or not.
0: Right. No, I I agree a hundred percent. and that's that's kind of a specialty of movies that are directed and written by him. Um And that scene yeah.
1: really like that was the moment where it really made me think of Starship Troopers, the ending where like the they're the reading the alien's mind and he's like he, he says like it's afraid and then he, he almost has like a little empathy for right. the for the alien and then he's like like realizes that he was showing weakness because they're all fascists and he has to like then say it's afraid and then they all cheer like yay like we you know and then you, you realize that <laughs> it was actually the humans that were invading the aliens territory and killing right. them not the right. other way around uh and like literally the fucking costumes are like the the ss stormtrooper you know right. uh stormtrooper <laughs> outfits and you realize that only at that moment that you've been watching a, a anti-imperialist satire all along um and this movie obviously didn't hide it till the end but that's that's really the moment uh, that i kind of connected those two movies so
0: well right i yeah totally and i mentioned to you also there uh there's a great you know sci-fi book uh called ender's game it was a series of sci-fi books oh yeah yeah, yeah the first book um that's i mean that's the crux of the whole book it's the like that's the emotionally you know spoiler alert for a book that came out in 1986 but that's the emotional uh, emotionally crushing ending of the book is that you realize that these kids that they're training to go fight in the starfleet are actually participating in these like drone warfare simulations where they're controlling ships but they're not actually drones they're full of soldiers so they're killing you know millions of their own people to kill billions of these alien uh pe- quote unquote invaders colonizers that they call them and you realize no actually the the uh, the humans were trying to colonize them the entire time and they they actually were just trying to protect them like it's it's a really crushing realization that uh i actually wonder how much starship troopers kind of took the inspiration for their ending and then kind of turned it like a little on its head with that kind of the but like from the fascist perspective rather than from the oh my god what have i done perspective um but that's a gr- I, I really appreciate when you can do that as a storyteller to your audience and make them realize that they've been the real villain the whole time you know um or they've been rooting for the you've been rooting for the wrong side the whole time oh because that's that, what we need to do in this country i mean that's what we need to do for, right the, the problem is if
1: when you do the job too well of writing a complex villain that people don't realize is, is the villain is right. that you get a bunch of fucking white supremacist fanboys who are convinced that walter white really was the hero and that Skyler was the bitch Right. 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 It's it's like, do you not remember when Walter White like literally goes to actual Nazis to do business with them? Right. And and like only parts ways when they fuck him over. Right. He was was totally fine being a literal fucking Nazi, like skinhead hanging out with Nazis, selling meth, killing people. Uh, And and you're still like you you think that, you know, there was this this tweet I saw yesterday. But somebody said uh, uh, Breaking Bad was the last soy free TV show. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, implying that uh, if you're not just dripping with toxic masculinity, you must not eat beef, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> um. Well. Uh, yeah. I. I. But you know, as far as the suicide, uh, I think i I hit everything I wanted to hit from this mo- Oh, just one other quick thing about the music, and I've kind of alluded to it while we were talking. But uh, the Suicide Squad, and you know, obvi- whether David Ayer had a hand in her, or the editor after the fact, who you know Frankenstein the movie together every scene in that movie in the first suicide squad is scored preposterously. You know, you see Viola Davis's introduction and, and sympathy for the devil plays like they, it's just, it's just the most like literal, Ugh. like spoon feeding every, every needle drop in that movie is spoon feeding you like the plot of the movie versus just enhancing the mood. And, and the great thing about this movie is James Gunn, I think is kind of poking fun at that because he picks the most obvious song imaginable, for the opening track, which which is Folsom Prison Blues by Johnny Cash. And you're like, oh fuck, is he going to do the exact same thing? And then from then on out, he has like this just great uh, selection of, of music that uh, is almost always diegetic. It's almost always being played on screen, um, you know, and the characters are hearing it. like Or at least in part. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> like what the I love to... is with the with the, with the uh, Spanish yeah. guy. Yeah. Like,
1: I love it with the opening, um, with the Folsom Prison Blues. He includes Johnny Cash's introduction of the song on the microphone. Or <laughs> the live, live version,
0: right? Exactly. <laughs> right,
1: and and you know everyone knows the history of that song. That he wrote that song specifically for that performance to to be played at the prison where he had served time. Right to
0: piss off the wardens and who told him it, don't talk about prison while you're on stage. <laughs> right.
1: Right. Which is, you know, just a great, you know, fuck authority ethos to open the film with. But I mean, that song has been used a million times and other things. So it's it's like if you're going to use it, use it in the best way possible. But, you know, I can't I can't remember. I'm sure that the Jim Carroll's bands, people who died has been in other movies, but I can't remember it uh, being so perfectly used before
0: right the only other thing i've seen it in uh was mr robot which i know is a show you're not fond of um but Uh, it it
1: just didn't do anything for me and i was like
0: i i like Figured out cookie cutter it's
1: f- yeah. figured out like what was going on pretty fucking quick and i'm like oh this is just tyler durden fight club. this is just fight that's, club right
0: right um and sorry you, spoilers you know for that, that show
1: <laughs> yeah and for fight club <laughs> uh yeah 20 years um if you know haven't the, seen jim, either though that doesn't
0: mean anything to you so that's so still no, not a
1: spoiler if you haven't seen those movies you're not listening to this right now so uh did you know that um jim carroll uh wrote the basketball diaries the uh book that was really? adapted into the film currently oh my god yeah. yeah
0: no you know i knew that name and i never made that c- that's so weird because i yeah. read that book in like middle school it was like on our summer which is a weird well, fucking book for summer reading but
1: the, well the thing is like that song is so tragic because like he came up in the 70s dated, he dated patty smith because i mean everyone did in the 70s right that's
0: what and you
1: like all of the stories of all those people in the ways they actually died are real like oh the guy, shit, the, I
0: didn't know that.
1: Yeah, the guy was around just fucking junkies and addicts and people dying of uh, you know everything imaginable because they were on so many drugs, which surprise harms your immune system, makes you more susceptible to other things. Right. Like all of the, that's that's all real. That's
0: fucked up. Wow, <laughs> he wasn't
1: making that shit up. And when he wrote the Basketball Diaries, like that was his whole life. He was he was literally a heroin junkie and a basketball star.
0: And 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 that song is all about kids dying, too. And then you look at the basketball diaries and you're like, oh, fuck it. Like, no, it really was his experience as like a 13 year old. Like, wow, that's fucked up. And
1: he was like, you know, I could have a future being a professional basketball player or I could be have a future being a junkie. And I chose being a junkie and he quit playing basketball.
0: Wow. (laughs) <laughs> so it's just, and then he it became a one-hit wonder we, we wrote a great fucking song so you know. uh, right right
1: <laughs> well it's it's just like fully embracing um you know the, the mistakes we make in life which this film you know almost enshrines right. those type of characters
0: right absolutely all right yeah well i think uh i think we hit everything uh we wanted to hit did you have anything else or are you are you you satisfied? Um,
1: you know, I, I had some more details about how it doesn't quite live up to be a real anti-imperialist film, but it's it's also kind of like they gotta have, you know, like there's still bad guys, there's still villains, there's still right. like the the one guy who was so virtuous as to go against the will of Peacemaker and tried to kill him. Well, he's dead now, right? So the the bad guys won, right? And this this is a movie about anti-heroes, um, even though they did save the city. But I do wonder, like, the deal they made to not release the information about the U.S. being behind Project Starfish, the deal was that they all got to get out of prison forever. Well, how are they all going to get back into prison to have... Like a third Suicide Squad movie, like they all gotta, they all have to go because you know Harley has to go like back to jail a fourth time now. Like she had that line, she's like, "Oh, I didn't know you were back in jail." Yeah, I. What, what was the line where she says like, uh,
0: "Oh, oh I, I, she, uh, I, I I, reckless driving inside a bank or something like."
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, you know, you don't even have to fucking you know show that. That's that's right. one case where you can just say it and your mind paints the picture. Right um which again great writing i'm sure um, so, i'll sure yeah, come
0: uh, up with some like it'll it'll be like that suicide squad trying to take down amanda waller's like like super fascist suicide squad or something you know they'll they'll find some yeah shit yeah to do that'll it, it'll be, be good. it'll be
1: the suicide squads which yeah, they correct. almost could have called this movie since they had you know technically two different teams right. but. uh yeah it'd be, be interesting weasel's, I,
0: weasel's gonna get get possessed by the remnants of starro and he's gonna become a 500 foot weasel and right terrorized it, it's Peace.
1: it is interesting because you know up until just recently <clears throat> it was like if you were in marvel you couldn't be in dc and and apparently vice versa but like look at all the marvel people that were in this movie oh yeah and i i, I feel like it's gonna be like a tug of war now like marvel and dc are you trying to like pull james gunn back and forth (laughs) to direct (laughs) all of their all of their comedy uh movies so yeah which is great i I hope
0: he does another one of these because i really enjoyed it and i and i like that they give him the freedom to do an r-rated like balls out movie that marvel's never gonna give them the per- permission to do because it's still owned by uh, disney i
1: mean we'll see you know we've had like the sony marvel movies deadpool obviously broke right, the mold and right. in, in proving that you can have a rated r comedy comic book film make a billion I just, dollars i don't
0: know if they're gonna do that now that they, like because they haven't done that post you know the disney buyout or the fox stuff it's gonna oh, be yeah. interesting to see if they'll even let someone do that be associated yeah with it. it's
1: i don't know why disney can't just like be like hey you know what we're we're gonna uh you know we're we're gonna have the
0: disney princesses but we can also make pretty women. like why can't you do it, do you, it, you it under Fox? i mean do it under the fox <laughs> banner like they have they own fox's you know searchlight or whatever just do it under the fucking fox <sighs> banner you still own it yeah. let them just do it but whatever you know um but anyway yeah i think that pretty much wraps us up um if you like this, uh, we have a lot of backups. Whoa, 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 oh, buddy. whoa, whoa, what, what?
1: We, we haven't rated how many hammer and sickles we're giving this guy.
0: Oh, oh all right, all right, <laughs> all right. How many? Uh... Yeah, how many hammer and sickles we're going to give this? Um...
1: Um, I would give it. I gave it a 4.2 hammer and sickles. This is yeah, definitely.
0: I got it. Oh, yeah, go ahead.
1: No, oh, no, I just I think it's you know this is this is a great comedy, uh, great fun, great re- rewatchability. I watched it uh last night in prep for the show for a second time, and uh, it, it it definitely holds up. It's not like a you know like it, knowing what happens and it shouldn't change the emotional impact of a movie. The mm. jokes should still land upon further watch, and right. it definitely does for this. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll uh, I'll agree. I'll give it, and you know, I I just I just rate based on how much I I enjoyed it or how much it entertained me. I don't necessarily I'm not putting it on a scale with everything we've reviewed. That would be impossible. uh But just purely for entertainment's sake, I'll give it like a four and a half out of five. Hammer and sickles. I think. uh Yeah. No. I mean, I I really really not much I could critique about it. Really enjoyed it. Way better than anything DC's put out so far, and I hope they uh, let him do some more of these. Absolutely. Yeah all right so that pretty much does it for us uh if you want to listen to more of us we have a lot of back issues of movie left uh we've reviewed you know uh, terminator 2 we reviewed uh, uh good lord bird great showtime netflix series about john brown um go check out all of our back episodes of that uh, and our regular uh, political podcast where we talk about the news of the week from a socialist, leftist, communist perspective. And that's movie, uh no, that's not movie left. That's <laughs> move left idiots. I'm getting a little tired. This is the second podcast of, we're not we're now calling it um, Status Cuomo.
1: <clears throat> Status Cuomo is right, the new name of the that's show. That's the
0: new name of the show. No, but uh go check that out. Both of those are available at soundcloud.com slash move left. Uh also anywhere you get your podcasts, give us a rate, uh, and a review and a subscribe. Uh follow us on soundcloud soundcloud.com slash move left uh facebook.com slash move left idiots we have a patreon at patreon.com slash move left merch available at tinyurl.com slash move left pod i am on twitter at move underscore left
1: and just a reminder if you don't follow us it is anti-italian discrimination (laughs) i'm on twitter i'm on twitter at bike slutty
0: and we'll see you next time Try